Get ready to quit the build. The QTB crew is rounding up all the gaming news and hot topics of the week with a little extra something. And here are your hosts, Bruno and Nick. What it do? Welcome to the QTB podcast. We're so glad you could join us. My name is Bruno and with me as always is my childhood friend and co-host Nick Bjorn in the USA. How are you doing, Nick? Bjorn in the USA. Yeah, Fantastic. buddy. <laughs> I, do, I do love me some Bjorn, so I'll, I'll take that all day. And the boss, of course. The boss, right? The boss. There's only one boss and you know who it is. It's Springsteen. All day, yeah. Okay, all day. So yeah, doing good, man. Well, it's it's been a it's been an eventful uh, weekend, as you may have seen. We have the uh, a couple other avenues of uh, reaching out there with the quit the build podcast. We've been uh, getting in the mix on Reddit lately, and of course, I have to give a shout out to my man, Senor Grafo. You saw this guy, right? He was doing the. Uh, I mean, yes. he does hilarious comics, and uh, definitely check him out. He has his own subreddit there. Um, that uh, is is amazing, but yeah, he had posted a gaming article or rather yeah, a comic that just resonated with me. I thought it was hilarious about uh, someone being like, "Hey, you want to check out the big game like Super Bowl?" But it ends up being Overwatch League, and the guy's like, "Oh, I could I could get into this." And Senor <laughs> Grappo's whole thing is that he'll do like edits of of a comic if somebody comments, usually early on. He's very popular, so it's really exciting whenever that happens. And he, you know, he pick he picks you your comment for some some kind of like extra panel. And so I got uh, I got hit with with not one but two Senor Grappo edits. Two. Oh yeah, it, it takes out, two. Get out. Get out of the get out of the recording. And he booth. got me good. He got me good. I'll tell you how because I had talked. I had talked about my experience growing up of uh, growing up. Listen to me. Like yeah, uh, uh, this happened like <laughs> like a couple of years ago. Growing up, um, uh, my my experience with the first season of Overwatch League that for the finals. Uh, I told this. I told this. <laughs> we did a lot of growing up last year. Well, so. That's true. A lot of self-reflection, right? <laughs> Those were in the before times. Yeah. But yeah. So in in this uh, in this comment on his on his post, I had talked about how you know I went with my wife to kind of a local bar. That's just kind of a generic, you know, almost like locally owned, like Applebee's style sports bar. And they mm. um, they had the finals for Overwatch League. Um, that was going to be on ESPN, which which is a, a pretty big deal. And so my wife and I, I had a, a jersey and an extra like a Philadelphia Fusion shirt, and they were in the finals. So I gave her my shirt, and we headed out, and we were like, we're going to go to this bar and like cheer on our team. And I was like so excited because yeah. I didn't expect to see anyone else that was. You're going to get the you're going to get the whole sports experience. Yeah, right? of course. You know? Yeah, I'm like you know yeah. if I'm going to sports, I'm going to sports properly. If if it's on yeah, ESPN, do, we're going to do the sports. We're so, going to do it. Yeah. Needless to say, we get there and like no one else obviously is there for Overwatch League, but uh, none of the TVs are on ESPN because of you're it's, telling it's me on. out of all those people, there yeah. wasn't a single this. What is this world coming to? I'm telling you, you know why don't why, you got you got it as sports. So, yeah, anyway, I, I talked to the bartender. I'm like, hey, can you put on ESPN? And he does it at first, and then he looks and he sees what's on the screen, and then I guess he sees the, the logo for the Fusion, and he sees our jerseys, and I just look at him and give him a nod like, yeah, yeah, this is happening. And he, <laughs> like, he was not into it. He was not amused. But, I mean, it is what it is. So over the course of the, of the, of the, of the evening, you know, we're, we're having a great time, and uh, all the people that were around us, there wasn't a whole lot going on sports-wise. So they're asking us questions because we're getting into it. Like I'm providing like like my signature color commentary 
uh, yeah, during this yeah. and, and like explaining like what's going As on to per. these guys. Yeah, and you know by the end of this thing, like everybody at this bar uh, that was at, at the bar was kind of into it. Not like actively cheering, but like when, whenever I get excited about a big play. You know, they would get excited, too. And because it was a, a fairly local team with Philadelphia. It's just like my wife. She does the same thing. She's just like, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, babe. I got I got a victory royale. Yeah. And she's just like, you get them, hon. You get them. You get them. I'm like, yeah. You, you show those kids. Yeah. <laughs> you show those nine-year-olds. But anyway, yeah, it was, a, it was a really cool experience and one that I wanted to just kind of share on the comment. And, and sure enough, like, before you know it, uh, so some awards start pouring in, but then Senor Gravo comes in with the edit and then my reply to it. Um, he, but where, where he got me was I had said in the post, I said that I had saddled up to the bar, like S-A-D-D-L-E-D. And in that story, you know, I, I should have said sidled, I guess, is the actual term uh, with an I instead of the A. And so because I said saddled in the edit that he drew for me, he had me on a horse saying like, hey, turn that on, bartender. <laughs> And I didn't realize until someone told me, like, yeah, that's why he did that. I'm like, turn it touche. on, Bartender. So, it was a very, very entertaining weekend seeing all the comments to that. And again, shout out to uh, Senor Grappa. Oh, awesome man. stuff. Awesome content uh, and, and always very funny. Senor Janine Garofalo, thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> is, that the, is that the full name? Garofalo. We appreciate yeah. your we appreciate your comic. That It, it made us smile. And now that I know the yeah. whole backstory with the, the saddle thing, oh, man, makes it even that much more epic. So, mm-hmm. yes, that's exciting. Well, we're going to be doing a – something that's really exciting is we're going to be doing a sweet gaming merch giveaway way for our listeners can you believe it nick yes tell them tell, tell them what they could win well uh, i i will tell you what you what they're gonna win but first they have to rate us on apple podcast see that's how you get entered into the giveaway we have tons of little pins and stickers gaming inspired 90s inspired merchandise to give all of our millennial listeners out there a blast from the past but we need you to write the podcast first. That's how we're going to grab all of the entrance for it. And believe it or not, these ratings really do help us out. And we appreciate all the support that we get from you guys. So it's very important to us mainly to give back to you because you guys are inspiring us. You're you're motivating us to create more content and it's exciting. So we just want to give back to you and let other people join in to the, the Bruno and Nick QTB experience and get everybody on board the QTB train. Are you ready, Nick? Bruno, I'm not a very tech savvy guy. How can I leave a review on Apple Podcasts? Well, you're going to have to download either the Apple Podcasts app or the iTunes app, and then you just search for Quit the Build in the Apple Podcast app, and then you can give us a review that way. It's pretty easy. So it's we're going to give more details on our website, quitthebuild.com, so you can go there and check it out, and we are going to give you step-by-step instructions so that way you can be entered to get the awesome merch, and we're going to be doing this every month. So unbelievable. That is it's it's if you don't get it the first month, don't be, you know, don't be sad because next month rolls around, bro. And we all know February is a short month, kids. So, you -hmm. know, I don't know why they did February dirty like that. It's both of our birthday months and they decide, you know what? 
this crappy month needs to not have 30 <laughs> days like the rest of them. We're going to give yeah. some of them 31 and just take away from February because I don't know. It just gets it just gets the short end of the deal. Yeah. But we have a great episode in store for everybody today. But before we get started, today's podcast was sponsored in part by Pearson Limited for marketing media that works and bespoke design to power your business. Visit PearsonLimited.com. Nick, let's light this candle. What do we got? We got some uh, some interesting articles and a, a very special segment at the end of today's show. Before we get into the news articles, I'll kind of kind of give you a sneak peek. And we do have a blog article on our QTB blog on QuitTheBuild.com. Uh, we're doing a indie spotlight section where uh, I got to sit down and have a chat with some game developers about an upcoming game that they have. And if you are a fan of that retro SNES style kind of adventure RPG. Uh, if you grew up with those kind of games, you definitely want to stick around for that interview. Uh, but first, we do have some things to talk about. Later on in the show, we're going to talk about how we have uh, some news that there possibly could be some big news about what's going to happen with the future of Anthem, whether or not dun, that dun, game is going to Yeah, we, you know, that, that's, that's a whole conversation. Uh, but first, our, our first article for the day is all about Ubisoft. So, hmm. you know, I, I, and I know that, you know, if, if you ask most people... You know, what is Ubisoft all about? You know, they're going to say, well, they're all about They're going to say, Nick, it's Ubisoft, not Ubisoft. And then we're going to get in a fight about how to pronounce it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Let's just get that out of the way now. Yeah, that's right. There's no umlaut. For those those people who who are out there and going to say, no, it's pronounced this way. Actually, they did do a video. um, And I believe the like president of Ubisoft, because I'll say Ubisoft to be to be the Ubisoft side and you say Ubisoft. So that way you can have that side of. Yes, this is that's how we're going to do it. But the I'm uh, self-conscious now. I can't do that. Yeah. Dude, you have to own it. You have to own it now. Even the president said, doesn't matter what you call us as long as you remember us. And that's the important thing. As long as you buy our stuff. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) As long as we get those dollars. (laughs) So what is going on with Ubisoft? (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, like I was saying, if you ask most people kind of what they're what they think when they when they think Ubisoft, that they they want to talk about, you know, that they have a, a pretty steady release of, of kind of mediocre AAA game releases, right? You know, they, they very rarely have a massive hit on their hands or something that really tries to innovate. But at the same time, that kind of tried and true Ubisoft formula of open world style games and kind of homogenized gameplay and, and, and content um, has kind of become almost a, a, almost a meme in, in the gaming community. And it looks like with this article that they don't really want to quite be as reliant on AAA game titles in the future. And for a company like Ubisoft, that is a very big deal because that that's basically their, their revenue model. They want to take a look instead at free-to-play games and also okay. take a, lot, a look at their back catalog in order to make more money per this IGN article. So there was an earnings call, um, and they talked about the uh, kind of the, the, the Q3 uh, financial results um, from last year, and you know, talking about going forward, that they have plans for some AAA game releases, but they don't really want that to be the focus of their business model. And I'm telling you, that is from a company like Ubisoft. What is your immediate reaction to hearing something like that? My immediate reaction is Battle Pass. That's the Battle Pass. <laughs> that's my immediate thought because we all yeah. know that that's where everyone's going. And if you're not on board the Battle Pass ship, guess what? 
You're going to be ship out of luck because you're not going to get the whole the same experience obviously if you're not on board with this because that's what everyone's adopting halo infinite's gonna adopt the the battle pass formula uh call of duty has already done it uh fortnite has paved the way and basically is the entire reason so if you don't like the battle pass then you can blame fortnite because they definitely made it popular and there are good ways to go about it and bad ways to go about it, but that's my immediate thought is definitely they want ongoing streams of revenue because it's not enough to just make a game anymore. And honestly, I don't want a new iteration of something every year. Look at how successful Grand Theft Auto Online has been. Mm -hmm. You know, it's been going on for since 2012, right? Is that when? It's crazy to think about that. I think it's what, three console generations now? Yeah, that, uh, like that, that, that the it's GTA's been GTA's been their game. GTA 5 yeah. has been the game. Yeah. So, I mean, and I like I said, I I think it was 2012 that that's when the that's when Grand Theft Auto 5 first was first released. So people yes they want Grand Theft Auto 6 and we we obviously want the new iteration. There's still a thriving community on Grand Theft Auto online that they're pumping out content every month. They've always got something new in the works and they're enticing people to come back with free money and new missions and all this kind of stuff. So I think it goes to show that that type of mentality of let's release something every year is going by the wayside and we want longevity. We don't want to have to learn an entirely new game every every year like Call of Duty. I, it, they're still going to do it. They're still right. going to do it, Nick. Oh, we're going to we're going to get Call of Duties. <laughs> I I just wanted to say duties, really, but yes. we're going to get them from now into eternity. There's going to be one every year, <laughs> uh, and they'll find another way to kind of do the battle pass like they've been doing with Warzone. But that's clearly what uh, I, I I first think about. Yeah, you know it, what what immediately comes to mind for me for Ubisoft in terms of reasons why they may want to go in this direction is, for example, um, Rainbow Six Siege, right? You have a, that, that, that's a title that has had a lot of success for them. Um, year after year after year, they've been continuously pushing new content. Um, it's, got a, it's got a pretty good community that's con continuing to play the game. And I know they have that Rainbow Six Quarantine game that's supposed to be coming out at some point. I get what they're saying. Of we really want to kind of channel more of our resources towards those, those games that have been out for a while and people have become comfortable with and just focus more on getting those, you know, modernized. And and I also know that, uh, was it Ubisoft Plus, I think is the name of their um, their subscription model, is a big thing. You know, that's that's available on pretty much every platform. Even Stadia has, uh, has Ubisoft Plus available if you want to um, tack that onto your subscription and just get access to all the Ubisoft games. That, obviously, that model's working very well for them. So now it's more about, okay... How do we how do we not only get people to buy this subscription model with all these games included, but how do we also further monetize those games by giving you reasons to buy things like a battle pass inside the game? This is even extending to single player games. I've been playing uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising, 
which yeah. is kind of a Breath of the Wild, uh, but with like uh, with like the like the pantheon of gods, you know. So more nudity. Well, I mean, it's 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 a little it's a little scandalous sometimes for a colorful, fun game. I mean, the, the, yeah, was it? A, I think it's a Greek mythology is yeah. pretty pretty out there. I'll, I'll say that much. Um, and this game definitely doesn't pull punches in that regard. But yeah, it you know this is a single player game that has a lot of those community functions and even time limited activities uh, akin to a battle pass where they're giving you reasons to keep coming back and kind of drip-feeding that new content, um, which is a very clever idea, I think, for for a single-player game. So I, I, I get why they're doing this. I, the only thing that surprises me is I know that their free-to-play game that they tried, that Battle Royale they came out with, uh, Hyperscape, that sci-fi um, Battle Royale they attempted, that was a, that was a flop, um, mm. and that they actually had to go back to the drawing board with that one. Um, so, you know, even despite that miss, they still see the benefit of, of what free to play can do for them in the long term. Well, and I think that the some of the smaller games, too, that they've supported have been just as successful in terms of their return on investment. So with that kind of mentality, it's I, I think it's easy to say. Like, let's try something different. Maybe not invest all of our efforts into a AAA title every year and try some smaller games that can produce fun, reoccurring battle pass models that people want to play. Because the two most popular games of 2020 were arguably Fall Guys and Among Us. And yeah. <laughs> neither one of those games were were graph well, Fall Guys a little bit more than um, yeah. than Among Us, but mm-hmm. still like you know it wasn't like we weren't pushing the limits of graphical capabilities here with no, this. It's basically a flash game with uh, voice chat. Yeah, exactly. So it's awesome for gaming. I really do. I think that that is what gaming needs because we've we've been re getting these regurgitated things every every year that we we come to know and expect, and there's little change or advancement in what we're playing, and it just feels like something that we could have you know it could have been a download or something that. Something that, you know, Fortnite is easily doing, I would say, with each season that they change it up where it almost feels like this new game. And Mm -hmm. so when that is the bar, when that's the bar of like, well, this is this is what the big guys are doing, then you kind of have to change it up and say we need to. We need to go back to the drawing board, like you said, and see what's up. Like, can we do some smaller games that maybe are just more inventive and fun to play? And obviously the answer is yes out there, especially for those like indie developers, which I'm glad we're going to be talking about that later because it's such an interesting, you know, it's such an interesting topic to know that there are some small teams out there doing big work and that's amazing. Yeah, it's 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 very cool to see, uh, you know, a, a big company like Ubisoft really reconsider their model and say hey you know maybe maybe we need to get with the times and i mean like i said their ubisoft plus uh subscription model um definitely is is a sign of the times i think my only my only thing that i'll say about battle passes is 
you know, and, and this is kind of a great for me and, and relevant to what's going on right now with uh, Sea of Thieves is, you know, I, I was excited to hop on to Sea of Thieves to see, you know, what their season one battle pass would look like. Yeah. And I got to tell you, Bruno, I was kind of disappointed. Um, you know, mm. it's I as somebody that would have been more than happy to drop, you know, 10 bucks or whatever it would be onto that season pass and, and, and grind it out. There wasn't anything on that pass that made me think I have to have this. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I, I was very, very, very underwhelmed. I saw a lot of uh, items that were already in the item shop before that they just recycled and put back in. Um, and and you know, even the stuff all the way at like the, the top tier, you know, tier 100, if that was the, the top one, was just a couple extra things. And I, you know, I, I just didn't see anything that said I have to have that. It didn't quite have that that punch, that gotta have it FOMO, I guess, that you get with games like Fortnite, where the stuff in there is just so cool that you almost can't not have yeah. it if, if you if you have the financial means yeah. to do so. So, you know, I think that it's it's fine to emulate what what works well, but you have to be able to put stuff and provide content that gives people a reason to get in there. Because I could, if, if I were to play a hundred oh, hours yeah. of Sea of Thieves this month, uh, you know, and that that would really be on the high side for my gaming budget. Um, of time, you know, I still wouldn't buy that. I wouldn't buy that battle pass, um, and that's that's kind of yeah. that's kind of disappointing, wow. right? So yeah, but uh, all right. Well, we'll take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll be talking more about EA Anthem, and of course, stay tuned for that indie spotlight interview. And we are back, and Bruno, you know, this has been something that I knew it was just a matter of time until we talked about on the podcast. You know, when as far as as just biggest flops of the decade, um, everybody knows that oh, Anthem. Geez. You know, it it just it didn't quite yep. get to where it needs to go. And I mean, there's a, there's a whole conversation about how we got here. Um, so sad. But yeah, you know, it's it was nobody wanted to see it go the way that it did. It looked so cool. Yeah, I mean that first you that know, first like, trailer. Like e- yeah, oh, yeah, you, that first trailer was amazing. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. Okay, I'm on board because an open world Titanfall slash Iron Man crossover guy, sign me up. up. Sign me up. I will blast the lasers and shoot the things. Right. I don't even care where we're at or what the plot is as long as it's like cool and fun to play. But alas. Right. And, you know, after it kind of uh, was kind of circling the drain there a couple of years ago. There was uh, some talk from EA, or at least the studio behind this, that they're like, okay, well, we're going to go back to the drawing board and essentially release what was going to be called Anthem 2.0 or Anthem Next, where they were going to use the foundation and the systems and the combat and all the core stuff of Anthem, uh, because that's essentially what it was missing was just content. You know, the actual core gameplay of Anthem was fantastic and kind of the small dedicated player base that it still has. They're still coming back for that, but you know yeah. it, it it just doesn't have any of the of the content uh, or or uh, you know ongoing support uh, to really make it work. So yeah, this article is talking about how um, there has been news that EA is going to be basically deciding what the fate of Anthem is going to be this week. Now we don't know if there's actually going to be news no, or announcement, but you know no 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 preview for for news um, that comes with oh, something like that is going to be positive in my opinion. <sighs> Um, that they're going to be having a call about, uh, you know, what what's going to happen. How? So first of all, if you're on the like Anthem team, yeah. I'm I I I feel for right. you because like you you get you get wind of mm-hmm. just like 
that's like the worst thing to happen to you like as a kid like when you're when you don't get punished right away and you get sent <laughs> to your room and they say we're going to talk about this later that nothing good can come from that like that's the worst thing you can do to a child with anxiety is tell yeah. them the punishment is coming later right. well even even worse is like i mean they downsized down to about 30 people on the current anthem team um, to try and work on the remake. So, yeah, even worse is, like, you know, m- multiple siblings disappear as the result of what you all did, but you're told to go to your room. <laughs> Am I next? <laughs> multiple siblings? Yeah. They've just gone somewhere else. Hey, where's du- where's Dwayne? He's, he's, he's not here. Yeah. What do you mean he's not here? We never, you never had a brother. He's no longer so I family. Don't know what- but, yeah, you know, it's, it's, very, very sad, and you're right that it's it's a shame that you know that these these poor guys are have basically been working on kind of trying to trying to give Anthem a reason to survive and a reason to be revitalized, and it's very possible that they're going to be getting that call as well, um, you know. And, and such is the nature, I guess, of of studios. You know, people give uh, Cyberpunk 2077 a lot of flack because CD Projekt Red is behind it, whereas The Witcher Three was this masterpiece of a game. You know that that they were very much uh, they 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 founded their reputation on. But what most people don't realize is that the dev team, you know, today versus what was there when The Witcher Three was 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 being made is completely different. You know, it's it's the same company almost in name only. Um, and hmm. so you know, but yeah, it, it's 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 very sad because here's my take on it, and I'm curious what what you think about it, Bruno. Is that I think there's no shot for Anthem. I think at most they'll go into like a maintenance mode. Look at Star Wars Battlefront 2, right? They they put out yeah. the game and there was the huge backlash over the monetization of it. They eventually caved and made it so that you could you didn't have to pay all that money for a lot of the core you know, characters and features of the game. And as a result, I mean they they kind of got some players back and even to this day over the last couple yeah. months the player base for uh, Battlefront 2 Despite having an announcement that there's not going to be any more updates to the game, that is still growing. People are coming back and playing it. Hmm. And so even then, they're still not willing to put any additional support and money and time into it. So if they're not going to do that for Battlefront 2, that still has a dedicated player base. I just don't see how they're going to be able to put the time and effort into something like Anthem to really go for that full redesign and all the time and money, especially in a COVID environment where it, I'm sure it's much harder and, and game crunch can be a lot more stressful um, with the limitations that, that you know, working from home can, can create. What do you think? So I think that part of the increase in traffic for or players in Battlefront is probably due to the, the combo of EA Play with the Game Pass. So because it's a part of the Game Pass now, you can download all the EA Play games. And I think that for sure aided in the amount of players that were returning to the game. And the fact that there's been so much time to fix some of the stuff that they messed up with during the launch. But... I agree. I don't think that we're going to see Anthem return in terms of like being revitalized or added in material. I think what they're going to do is they're going to gut it. 
they're gonna gut it for parts, my mm. man. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's going to the chop shop, and they're going to. I think what it what it says, um, Bioware announced that it would be overhauling the game. This was last year. Yeah. I think that the overhaul is just come up with a new IP that uses the same mechanics. The mechanics are there. Like, the idea is there, but the execution was was a little poor in terms of like the amount of content or the skill tree, whatever you want to, you know, pick apart about the game. So I think that that's what you do if you're if you're EA, you say, you know, there's a lot of great stuff here, like 10 out of 10 stuff. But there's a lot of crap here surrounding it. So we got to get the crap out of here and we got to get we got to start, you know, cleaning up and get some Febreze up in this <laughs> up in this piece because it smells. It smells. Get it with the Drano. Yeah, we've got some fish smell up in here and it's starting to it's starting to seep. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, and it's true when I say that, like, you know, when I say it's starting to seep, I mean, like, EA's getting reputation for not knowing what the heck to do with any of these games. And it makes me worried for the acquisitions that EA goes through, like F1. F they just recently reacquired F1 from oh, Codemasters. Wow. I believe they they acquired Codemasters. So now all of the Codemasters games like Dirt and um, mm. F1 are going to be under the EA banner. Now that can be that can be really great for funding purposes, but it can also be really bad because I don't want to have to pay four dollars to have wet tires to be able to drive in the rain on yeah, f1 yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know like yeah. <laughs> that's something i don't want so oh your ers is running a little low you want to top that off for two bucks <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly exactly oh my gosh but yeah it's 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 a it's a it's such a tragedy bruno like i you know none of us want to sit here and and, and enjoy like the schadenfreude of watching something like this go under when you have such an amazing That's a good German German word there. That Thank really you. is. Yeah, I know that and uh, Ubermensch because of Team Fortress 2. Oh, I only really know Kindergarten and Volkswagen, Sassen <laughs> Pfeffer and um Hasselhoff. Don't forget Hasselhoff. Hasselhoff, that's a good yeah. one too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and sauerkraut. <laughs> that's I mean, you got you got everything you need, man. I got all my, I got them all. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's it's such a shame that this game has such a great core gameplay. You know, the people that still talk about this to this day on places like Reddit and, and like I said, the, the small but very dedicated community, they know the game doesn't have content. Like they're not trying to, they're not like kidding themselves. Yeah. But they keep coming back for that gameplay. And I can, I, I haven't played the game, but I've seen a lot of gameplay footage. You know, this game, a lot of people say, and I agree, is that it almost it most accurately captures like the essence of a game of like playing as Iron Man, probably even even more so than like a game like Marvel's Avengers, where, mm. you know, you actually you actually play as Iron Man. Yeah, that's where, like, true. Where like the speed of the combat and just being able to fly around and, and what you can do and how quickly you can do it. Um, no other game is really capturing that speed. We were just talking about in the last episode, you know, the speed of games and how games like Doom yeah. weren't afraid to, to crank it up to 11. Anthem's gameplay yeah, cranks it up to 11. And, you know, the only game that I can really think of 
that even is remotely similar in terms of gameplay style is Warframe, which is also oh, kind of, you uh-huh. know, you know, space robot, you know, combat and mech suits and, and it's just wildly yeah, yeah. fast paced, uh, highly entertaining. But that game has so much more content and is also free to play. So they, they had a unique idea. And I think you're right that almost at this point, you really don't even want the Anthem name because there's just so much stigma behind it. And it's been yeah. it's been tarnished that trying to come back with a new name for it, you're not going to pull like a Final Fantasy 14. You know, Square yeah. Enix was so famous for doing that where the game launched. It was god awful. They <laughs> said, let's let's pull it. I was there day one. I know. <laughs> um, and they were they were able to actually rope that in, take it like an extra year of development and come out with a quality title. You know, that time has come and gone for Anthem. They've been talking about yeah. this Anthem next thing for a while now. And I think, yeah, rather than continue to lead people on for something that may not happen with a small team of 30 people for a AAA game, that's not much. They're probably going to need more support than that. Um, yeah. I, I don't think EA is going to be willing to give it. We could be wrong. It sounds like we're kind of in the same boat that this is probably going to be the end of the line. Uh, for Anthem, could just go into maintenance mode, um, could just go, you know, right right on down. Merge with uh, the Titanfall team. Get the Titanfall Ooh. team and get the, get, just get them together because Titanfall is an amazing game. Very, very underrated. Uh, I don't like the kind of some of the nerfs that they made from Titanfall 1 to Titanfall 2, but I understand them. Um, but I mean, you know, if you just combine those two gameplays, just imagine Mm -hmm. the gameplays of like the mech suits just the different level of mech suits oh man we could we could even go inception style and have like three suits where like you're the just the base pilot and then you get the like anthem suit and then once you get the anthem suit you can go full digimon into the into the freaking titan and just go i mean that was the sound effect of awesomeness because i didn't there's nothing else for me to do at that point but wow that would be truly awesome i would love to see that yeah i mean i agree Agree. Yeah, Titanfall has has that fast-paced gameplay that would really benefit from a game like Anthem that is definitely even faster-paced, um, and having that that free free range of movement in, in flight on top of the uh, the fun mech combat. And you're right, Titanfall Two is is such an underrated game. Even Titanfall One still has a dedicated player yeah. base to this day. They've been having some problems with hackers, but I mean, it's the game is still there and very <laughs> much being played. Um, and that that speaks volumes, you know, when you make a sequel to a game and people love that, but then you have the original game and people still love that and play that online, you know, <laughs> yep. that's that's how, you know, you have a winning franchise. And oh, my God. Yeah, you're right. Got a we winner. So overdue for a new Titanfall. So. All right, guys, you heard it here first, EA. That's the play. You got it yep. from the QTB that's crew. The play. Well, for the last part of our show, let's go ahead and take a listen to my recent interview with the developers of Positive Concept Games for their upcoming title, Shrine's Legacy. And welcome everybody to our very first indie spotlight segment where we're taking a look at some indie games that we that it kind of caught our eye that uh, Bruno and I went through and looked to see, you know, what uh, what what games we'd like to play that are up and coming in the indie world and I stumbled onto these two guys who are our guests today. It is Alan Gabbard and Joseph Duke from Positive Concept Games. Joseph, Alan, how you doing today? Pretty good. Uh, this is Alan. I'm also doing well. This is Joseph Duke. Awesome. Yeah, thanks uh, so much for being on the show, guys. And and for our listeners, uh, Alan is the uh, creative director of the game, so he's doing the story, the dialogue, concept art, 
sound effects, that kind of thing. And Joseph Duke is the technical director for the game we're going to be talking about with the programming music and uh, kind of a dynamic duo, pretty uh, pretty small, small team, but you guys are getting a lot of cool things done. And what we're talking about today is your upcoming game called Shrine's Legacy. So go ahead and tell our listeners what it's all about. Shrine's Legacy is a Super Nintendo-styled action RPG game where you follow the story of a character named Rio Shrine and someone named Raymond Narone who helps him on his journey. Uh, it's a You can play the game in co-op or single player on Windows PC. Uh, currently, we have a beta demo out. So that's pretty nice. It's got a little over two hours of content, and uh, we're constantly making updates to it um, in preparation for our upcoming Kickstarter campaign. I would say the story centers around loss and how people cope with it. That's a big centerpiece to what the game is about, really. Yeah, and you know, I I had a chance to sit down and play through the full demo uh, just a few nights ago, and you know, it. I definitely got that impression about the the theme of of loss in the story. And man, as someone that grew up with you know the the, that Super Nintendo generation of kind of uh, action RPG kind of you know uh, overworld style games like a you know Zelda: Link to the Past and and what have you. Um, it definitely struck some uh, nostalgia chords with me. You're definitely doing something right in that regard. My next question is, you know, it seems like that, like I just said, that the game is is kind of a love letter to those style of games from the Super Nintendo era. Are there any games in particular from that console generation that resonated with you guys um, that kind of inspired you to make the game? Well, two of the biggest influences have been uh, Final Fantasy VI and uh, A Link to the Past. The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. Basically, those are like the two games that it's most similar to in its core. It's like the story and like character development and stuff you'd see in Final Fantasy, but with like gameplay you'd see in Zelda. But there's a lot of other smaller, maybe not even smaller, there's still pretty big influences from other Super Nintendo games. Really, one of the big ones um, that'll, it's not mainstream, it's called the Soul Blazer Trilogy. Soul Blazer, Illusion of Gaia, Terranigma, like those three games are really big on influencing Shrine's Legacy. Uh, I would also say Secret of Mana and Trials of Mana, especially their multiplayer, is a big influence because like I've mentioned, you can play the game in co-op. It's not something you see often enough in RPGs, in my opinion, action-wise or turn-based-wise. I would say that game is a big influence. Um, Heck, Super Metroid, the map system... Is yeah. inspired by Super Metroid. Um, I'm going to say, you know, a little bit of Chrono Triggers in there. Tiny bit. Not a whole lot, but I take it where I can get it. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite Super Nintendo game. But, like, Terranigma is, like, close behind that, and so is Final Fantasy VI. Yeah, it's interesting that you mention Final Fantasy VI. Well, I shouldn't say interesting more. You know, I'm, I'm glad you, you, you name-dropped that, because I think with the Final Fantasy series, so many people, when they start to get into, you know, the six, seven, eight plus, they start to think about the, the 3D era of, of Final Fantasy games, and they don't give enough credit to Final Fantasy VI and just the incredible game that, that was offered and kind of the mastery that Squaresoft had over over 2D games, you know, before they made that jump. So uh, I can definitely see the influence. And speaking of which, uh, and this is a question for you, Joseph, you know, the site you mentioned that uh, Nobuo Uematsu is a big inspiration for the music of Shrine's Legacy. And I think one of his biggest talents was that he can really capture the emotion of any given scene or even tell a character's story with a score that matches every moment of the game as you're playing through it. What's it been like to write music alongside Alan's storytelling? 
Well, it's been it's been a very interesting challenge because we are basically two people trying to build an entire game. I don't really get to sit down and focus on music all the time, whereas I'm sure like most composers like Nobuo Imatsu, for example, he's basically gets to focus on that. Uh, it, that's one of the biggest challenges. Another challenge is uh, figuring out like the motifs and stuff because one thing I take from uh, Uimatsu's the way he writes music is using light motifs a lot for various like characters or things like that. Even the sword itself, like a light motif, is basically it's basically a phrase or melody that goes along with like a character or a uh, or an object or an emotion in the game. Just some, it's a, it's basically a motif you'll hear throughout the game in various different pieces of music. So I've been doing. And then making sure to implement that into the writing. Also, uh, taking the scene itself and trying to imagine what the music would be for it is definitely something that applies. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge is just having not a lot of time to spend on the music, but still trying to make it as good as I can. Well, I have to say for such a small team, you know, one of the things that I thought was just incredible about playing through was that option to switch the soundtrack between that 16-bit chiptune style and more of a you know robust modern uh, version of the same song not just like transitioning from one track to the next but actually being able to switch back and forth in real time is a really cool concept and one that uh, i think helps to make your game stand out and be unique in terms of its uh, of its soundtrack so kudos for that uh, and my next question for alan is about you know the story of remo uh, rio rather and rema um, you know it's based on the playthrough that i had it kind of seems that each character has a unique motivator for why they're kind of going through this story of, of, of trying to get these gems. You know, as the game story writer, I, I, I'm glad that you're on because I've always wanted to pick the brain of someone who's trying to make that classic RPG style of story. Is that it, is your method to Im- avoid or embrace the countless plot tropes that are found in these types of RPG games? I find the... Uh, premise of the game can come off as kind of generic on the surface. When people actually play the game, they might see the story kind of pushes back against cliches and tropes to an extent. Um, You know, especially since I know the whole story, I mean, it's not all completely evident there, but some people have mentioned, oh yeah, this this is different from the typical generic trope. But uh, I will say uh, my biggest influence in writing for this game in particular was uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, where it kind of has a generic start to it, or rather a generic premise, I should say. But as you watch the show, it's just all about the execution and how the characters are developed. So I would say I'm not really trying to embrace it. The, The tropes, I mean, maybe some of them, because... Yeah, I mean, for a moment, there's a, there's a girl that's in trouble, but she doesn't really get kidnapped. So it's like, what is this writer going for, is how I think some people might perceive it. Is she going to get kidnapped later? I don't know. You'll have to play the full game when it's done to find out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would say I don't really like tropes and cliches. I want to come up with my own ideas, but I do embrace some of it, like I said. And for example, it's very much a hero's journey archetype so i do embrace that kind of storytelling which is in a lot of games like ours japanese rpg style games 
Yeah, I, I definitely see where, you know, when when the game started and there was that that scene between Ryo and his, his childhood friend talking about, you know, about, you know, having to rescue his princess and then that scene where, where the village is, you know, raided and I'm thinking, oh, here we go, you know, she's going to get captured, but it doesn't play out that way. You're right, it is kind of a, it, it subverts expectations. Um, and then, you know, rather than her be this kind of damsel in distress during the story, um, she plays a kind of a different role of kind of being a moral compass from from home, you know, from safety of like, hey, what's he up to? What's he doing with this person now? So I, I, I definitely see what you're saying about, you know, not not trying to totally embrace it, but um, not trying to totally avoid it either. Right. But still take it in your own direction. Question for both of you is, you know, and you talked about this earlier that the the game offers co-op and it's not just something that you tacked on afterwards and said, hey, you know, if you want to play co-op, you can, but rather it was clearly well thought out from the beginning in that you have these two characters that, you know, have this intertwining story and you can play as either if, if you are playing in single player. You know, in, in an industry where these types of narrative-driven adventure games are mostly single player, what made you decide to incorporate co-op? Well, the most the most simple answer to that is we wanted to be able to play a game in co-op that we make. But there's a lot more to it than that and, like, reasons for it. And especially action RPG games, it's not common to have co-op, or RPG games in general, I should say. But if you play, like, Final Fantasy VI and you go to the config, you'll notice you can actually set it to two-player mode. Stuff like that has always been really cool. I think the first, like, full-on action RPG I ever played where it had co-op was Tales of Symphonia. And it just kind of blew my mind at the time. Also, just growing up together... And both loving RPGs like uh, Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts, etc. It's like, why don't more of these games offer co-op gameplay? Like, is this a possibility? So, yes, from the very beginning of development, co-op was in mind. Because, man, when these games have co-op, they're just so much more fun and enjoyable with a friend. I don't think RPGs have to be necessarily a single-player experience. Not multiplayer in the sense of oh, I gotta go shoot my friends in this game, ha ha ha. No, like, online play or co-op, like, in the sense you're working together to progress through the game's story, through the gameplay. So, yeah, I'm a bigger fan of co-op than competitive play anyway, most of the time. Oh, no, I totally get that. And, yeah, I, I, I've reached an age, I think, where I'm I'm just kind of done with competitive games and I just want that uh, that fun cooperative experience. And uh, and I, if I recall correctly, the game will allow you to play through Steam to play, like, remotely with a friend, right? That is correct, yes. And it's the only way to play online right now. It does require a pretty good internet connection, so that's a disclaimer on that. But it does it does work. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess my last question for you is one thing that I, I that stood out to me when I was kind of researching your game and and everything that you had had you know up until this point is that you guys have a full, robust, fully fully playable demo long before you even actually launched your Kickstarter. And I think that gives you a big advantage in that a lot of Kickstarters will just give you maybe a concept video if you're lucky, and you know maybe you'll get a playable demo down the road as a backer. Um, but you've kind of you know, really, really bucked that trend. But in terms of your Kickstarter, when can we expect that to go live roughly? And do you have any kinds of perks in the, uh, that are, you're planning for backers? We had planned to launch it in February originally, but it's been delayed indefinitely because we just don't feel like we have enough of a following right now to get the amount of funds that we need to uh, finish the game properly and the way we want to. So we have an idea internally what we would like to do, but it might be delayed beyond that. So we can't really say right now. 
So um, other than well, we plan to have it. We plan to have the Kickstarter go live sometime this year. Yes, we can say that it's going to happen this year, not next year, because you got to make the dive at some point. As as for perks, we have ideas for uh, physical rewards and. We're probably going to be careful with physical rewards yeah. because those are those are a lot of work. But yeah, um, we'll probably have something for it. Or early backer stuff, stuff like you get to design NPCs or an enemy, stuff like that. Definitely, we've we've thought long and hard about the perks, and we've got them written down. But we still need to go through and just finalize it and make sure that we want to do everything that we have. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you got to be careful. And I think you're right. A lot of Kickstarters, I think, get themselves in trouble with with promising, you know, physical rewards that, you know, later on for whatever reason, logistics or whatever it might be, that it it doesn't pan out. So, you know, I, I, I totally get it. And, you know, you've definitely got a backer with me whenever it does go live. And to all of our listeners, you know, if you want to support this kind of game, this this kind of cool love letter to that retro SNES RPG style, make sure you go to their website. It's at positiveconceptgames.com. You can also go to Kickstarter and just search for Positive Concept Games or Shrine's Legacy uh, or just get the link through their website and you can uh, sign up to get alerts whenever that Kickstarter does go live. Thank you for telling us you're going to be a backer. That's great. We really appreciate it. One thing I don't want to do is I don't want to disappoint people. You know, if, if the campaign is successful, I don't want to not deliver on the promises that we make, which happens a lot in Kickstarter campaigns. It, it really means a lot to me when people say, oh man, I'm definitely going to back this because... I don't want to let you guys down. Yeah, definitely, and I think uh, I think as, as time goes by, I, I know you've, you've gotten some uh, a good response on on sites like Reddit that uh, you've got a good product here. And like I said, having a, a two three hour demo right out of the gate is uh, is something to be proud of, and I, something that we could really sink our, our teeth into with extra things like gems on the side that we could collect to kind of build out our character or progress. That uh, you know, I could even now go back into that demo and and kind of explore a little more than I did before. So. Again, congratulations on uh, everything you've done up to this point with just two people. And uh, again, everybody, make sure to check out positiveconceptgames.com to uh, check out that demo, get on that email list so they know that there's more interest in the game. And uh, hopefully we see more from you two very soon. Oh, I want to mention one more thing. Um, It is just the two of us as core members, but we do have um, artists who are helping us here and there with some of the uh, pixel art specific missions yeah yes yeah, specific art not most of it is joe we do have uh people helping us so right to give credit to the people who have helped us in the game uh, that, that makes that makes sense i guess going through the game definitely what was always in the back of my mind was wow two guys did this like from start to finish oh everything in the game is joe's right now but we're about to get new portraits for example wow. Well, except for the title screen. The title yes. screen was uh, Shrimp Toast helped us out. Yeah, she's uh, she's on Twitter and uh, she's she's magnificent digital artist. So and and we're gonna have new portraits soon by uh, Toa. Uh, that's what he's called on Twitter, and uh, you know he's he's been great to work with. So I just wanted to give a shout out to the other people who are helping us. But yes, it is mostly me and joe awesome well again everybody make sure to check them out at uh, positiveconceptgames.com and uh yeah it was a blast to play and i think i think you'll all enjoy it as well again joseph allen thank you so much for coming on the show and uh good luck with the game thank you thank you wow that was really interesting um and the first thing i i noticed was the passion in their voices just the gung-ho attitude that they have toward 
this project is is clearly visible like in in the product and like in the way they're approaching this like they're super excited about having something doing something together just kind of like us you know what i mean like i got that kind of vibe of like they're kind of like doing something like us but in their own way like hey let's get together and make a podcast hey let's get together and make a video game and in this love letter to the games that they grew up with that we grew up with like Legend of Zelda, uh, Link to the Past, and like you were talking about Chrono Trigger, and some of these like newer games, like I got a kind of like Stardew yeah. Valley vibe from it almost um, when looking at it as well. But then with the the combat, it looked a lot mm-hmm. like zelda and link running around with the sword just like tearing up you know pots and and all these different you know whatever it you know may have been from you know zelda translated over um to shrine's legacy but it was really interesting and i just i uh, very 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 cool especially that something like this exists and needs support like that's what another reason why we're here is to like shed some light on this because i know how hard it can be when you're putting all of your passion into a project and then it doesn't get the attention that you feel it deserves and this deserves the 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 attention like it deserves backing and i'm really looking forward to seeing what their kickstarter will be because they mentioned things like having characters npcs in the yeah. game how cool would that be nick to be an npc in the game i'm backing like that i'm on that <laughs> like well, i was gonna be like what do you want for your birthday yep what it do i am there because i totally want to be like an npc in the game now. Well, you got you got it's got it's got to be fantasy style. Like, uh, what doth it do, good sir? Oh yeah, what doth what, it what do? doth it does? What doth it does? <laughs> what doth it doth? <laughs> oh, put that on a t-shirt. I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh! But seriously, uh, like, and then the thing that you mentioned about. G- going back to the or switching between music it made me instantly think of the master chief collection and being able to switch from like legacy the original graphics to these like updated new graphics like at, at the push of a button that is so cool tell me about that like did you you know that you said that was your favorite part right i mean you know i'm, I'm a music guy so i love a good chip tune and so you know when i when i saw that initially because it, it wasn't really advertised when you were kind of getting up to the game that there was this mode where you could switch between two different styles of music you know they just said that they have a chip tune style soundtrack um, that's influenced by big names like uh, Nobuo uh, Uematsu. Yeah. And, you know, as soon as I go in, it's like, oh, by the way, press F5 to, like, switch between soundtracks. I'm like, are you serious? Like, <laughs> this is two guys doing this, and they've got, like, an alternate soundtrack for every song in their in their, in their demo, and it sounds like it'll be what they do for the release as well. Not just like, hey, let me push a button, and, like, it just, it just starts a new track from the beginning. Instead, it's like, you know... 
I can listen to this, the, the specific part and the specific instruments that I that I have, but immediately swaps over to like real sampled instruments or what sounds like it instead of, of a chip tune, and that made my playthrough so much so much cooler because it's just a feature that you wouldn't expect, and you can see little things like that, um, like that and the co-op that like like we talked about in the interview isn't really normal for this style of yeah. RPG adventure game. And you can see where they, they have such a clear vision for here's how we're going we're gonna to throw back to the past, but here's how we're going to make it our own. Um, and it, the, I think the execution up until this point has been flawless. So yeah, I'm really, really happy that we were able to get them on the show um, and wish them all the best. And I said it in the interview, but I'll say it again. Please support these kinds of people, you know, these, these developers. They need, yeah. they, they, need, they need to help. For you sure. Know, because like, like you said, they, that, that indie games market is so saturated right now where everyone that has access to you know, the many different uh, game developing tools like Unity you know, can put games out there. And it's so easy for a quality title like this to get lost in the noise. So yeah. definitely check them out at, at uh, positiveconceptgames.com. Uh, and we'll be putting the links to their website and their Kickstarter preview page uh, in the description. Uh, so whatever podcast you're listening on, you can go to the description at the very bottom. Um, that information will be there. So you can hop onto their site. Just sign up for the email newsletter at the very least. So you can yeah. get some updates and they get a little bit more uh, interest in the game. And, uh, you know, it, it's uh, that's that. Like you said, that's the vision is we want to we want to help these guys out and, you uh, you know, and, and play games that we want to play. Like, I want to play this game. Help right. me out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, Let me bring, play it. I want bring more. This, bring this to the indie <laughs> games from for Xbox. Xbox has that, like, indie yeah. game program. Bring this on, Xbox. Let's do this. Get this. Get these guys some help and get this game to the moon. Or to, to the moon, to baby. The, to the platform. To the moon, baby. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, that's probably a good point to wrap things up. And, uh, you know, yeah, like you had said, uh, please, if you can, drop us a review on uh, on Apple iTunes. Uh, it means all. It means the world to us and helps us get the, a little more a little more exposure. And, uh, yeah, anything else for him, Bruno? Um, I mean, stay beautiful. And thank you so much for just tuning in and listening and being part of our podcast and being a part of Team QTB. That's what it's about. It's about having a network of people. So we're just excited to be here talking to each other and talking to, you know, you guys about the stuff that we love and about what's going on in the gaming world. So we've got some big things coming via the website. So be sure to check that out. Quitthebuild.com. Until next time, for Nick, I'm Bruno. And for Bruno, I'm Nick. Peace out. What it do. 